0: Hey, welcome, everyone, back to the Ex podcast here. Myself, Scholar McLarney, and none other than Schoolman
1: Fawcett, lowly employee of Headmaster McLarney, here at the Chesterton Academy of St. Isidore, uh, right here outside of Edmonton, Alberta, the world's only online Chesterton Academy.
0: That's right, yeah. And if you've been following along, last time we spoke about realism, right? We were sort of looking at political realism and uh, the implications of that philosophical worldview. We spoke a little bit about Machiavelli, the godfather, if you like, Mm. of of realism. And what does he do? Well, he turns virtue into virtue, that cold, calculating, callous, ambitious, audacious uh, approach to life. So he's redefining it. And basically, what's fascinating there is this transformation. It's it's like turning a a virtue, right? So it's like turning um, an elf into an orc or an ant into an ogre, uh, right, so, so virtue is turned into virtue. And this is, I think, uh, one of the aspects of, of realism that's, that's quite fascinating. Now, our students, I don't know about yourself, uh, Schoolman Fawcett, but do you suspect one day they will be princes or princesses? Will they have their own fiefdoms, their own little kingdoms to worry about? Oh, I worry that they might,
1: you know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Our students, uh, you know, they're very bright, uh, they're very ambitious. Uh, They have great leadership potential, so I could see them as princes over the fiefdoms of of different corporations or, one shudders to think,
0: even political kingdoms. I could see it happening. Okay, all right. Well, um, I'm probably not as uh, sanguine (laughs) as yourself, but in any case, uh, I, I thought, you know what? I, mean, I don't think it's sanguine. It's very it's pessimistic. Very I, pessimistic. Oh. I wouldn't wish
1: that kind of uh, stress on anybody of being a leader or a prince. Oh, okay. No. Uneasy lies the head that wears the crown, as some writer once said. Oh, right. Yes, <laughs> but,
0: indeed. Okay, well, uh, now, here what I have in mind is, how might this be applicable, barring that uh, eventuality, uh, in terms of realism, and, and really that transformation of virtue into virtue, or that corruption? So I want to think more of at a personal level or a forensic level, if you will, uh, and uh, how this might apply to any of us. Uh, all right. So normally, uh, we, if we uh, see evil or sin uh, a mile away, we can identify it. Well, why? Because it's you know in contravention with the Ten Commandments or uh, you know moral tenets, right? And so that's that's not so problematic, I think, in identifying it. But again, going back to Machiavelli, what happens if it's wrapped up in the mantle of virtue. Mm. All right. And so uh, what? What? how might that play out in, in one's life? And what I want to think about here is, um, how might this be applicable? I, I, we're calling this realism, inception, and virtue. So we'll look at some defense mechanisms uh, against uh, having uh, this creep into our lives, a um, corrupting force of sin masquerading as virtue. Because, I mean, it's one thing to have to decide between good and evil. I mean, it's, it's pretty, oh, well, it's black and white, uh-huh. right? But what if it's wrapped in uh, this, this uh, gauze or this, this skin of, of what's right or, or the light? Okay, so what I have in mind here is uh, today, let's, let's go to Shakespeare, and we'll look at a literary example, and I'm hoping next time we can go back to philosophy and, and look at Ayn Rand in particular, Who's going to redefine virtue? Are talking about selfishness as a virtue? So we'll be able to say that for another time. But here, um, what I would like to do is go back to Elizabethan England, or even better yet, through the lands of Elizabethan England to ancient Rome, and uh, we're going to look at Julius Caesar. So, uh, if you uh, want to join us, uh, if you have a text with you, you know, I'll put I have one on the screen. I can do that as well.
1: So we we will read aloud anything that we need to for our uh, podcast listeners. If you're not watching this video, fear not. We will read aloud anything that uh, that you really need to hear about. Sure. You know. Yeah. Okay. All uh,
0: right.
1: Okay. Yep. It's it's uh, on the screen here. Oh, right. and if Let's I rem- do, I remember correctly, it's Act. Uh, 1, scene 2. Yeah, so we're we're going to look at
0: here. Act 1, scene 2 uh, just to set the stage. So if you're listening at home and you don't have that on screen,
1: and you, but you happen to have a copy of your complete Shakespeare like I do, uh, it's uh, Julius Caesar, Act 1, scene 2. Yep.
0: And Just to set the context, what's going on in Act 1 is Caesar's about to return in triumph. Well, it's his triumph, right? He's returning to Rome and there's um, the tribunes, uh, Flavius and uh, Maralus, who are trying to Force the people off the streets. Uh, they they talk about oh uh, we have the text there plucking the uh-huh. feather from uh-huh. f- of, of, of uh, from Caesar's wings that his flight might not it uh, might become more ordinary. So they're they're fearful that Caesar might return and become a tyrant. Something along those lines. Sympathizing with Pompey or Pompey and the
1: is who uh, Caesar has just come from being at war with or Pompey's sons
0: right defeated yeah yeah so mm-hmm. Caesar now is triumphant, he's ready to take control, and uh, so what's interesting about the scene, just just this background, is they're able to use words to convince the people, because we want to look at the power of words here, in in particular when it comes to how virtue is presented, at least. And so the people leave the streets, uh, uh, the commoners exit, uh, and uh, yes, there they are. Okay, so what's interesting now, we're going to scene two. And before we get to Brutus and Cassius, three times Caesar is warned with words about the Ides of March. And well okay, so this is an example, interesting contrast to scene one, where, well, he doesn't heed mm-hmm. uh, doesn't heed the words. Now who is who is
1: speaking to him? For those who have not read the play or have never Ooh. seen any of the adaptations those of you who have not yep. seen the disappointing 1970 movie adaptation with Charlton Heston, <laughs> uh, what? Who, who is speaking the to you? soothsayer. So, so there's Caesar. a soothsayer. Mm-hmm.
0: And then the words are repeated a, again by, uh, in his entourage, uh, who is it, Anthony, I think, who's, who, who repeats the words of the soothsayer. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so uh, there they have so it. he's returning. Oh, so he's it's returning, it's returning Brutus, and, Brutus, right, Brutus right, yes. uh, re- repeats the words. But it's three times repeated to um, Caesar. Of being aware of so, the Ides of March. So Caesar's
1: coming back, he's being uh, lauded by the crowds, practically worshipped by the crowds, because he's returning victorious from battle, uh, and yet there's this prophet who cries out, right, yeah. beware the Ides of March. And, it right. is set, and this is set the day before the Ides right. of March. Is, yeah. So he's saying basically, like, beware of tomorrow, is yes. what he's saying. Uh, and Caesar does ask to see him, but then he's like, you know, this guy doesn't add anything, and so Caesar just dismisses him.
0: He is a dreamer. Right. You know, well, let's leave them behind. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Exactly. So, so this is what's fascinating. Then is this example of words not being trusted. Uh-huh. So, uh, words could be listened to, like the the, the cobbler and the and so on. Others, oh, the mechanical people, the the, the plebs. They, they listen to the tribunes and leave eventually. Uh, here are Caesar not hearing uh, or hearing out the soothsayer. Uh, all right. So, what? I mean, do we have to listen to what other people say? I don't. Not necessarily. What What happens? Uh, well, here we want to look at Cassius and Brutus when they, uh, well, Cassius approaches him. So, uh, and, and how are the power of words, uh, and what Cassius, how Cassius is going to get into Brutus's mind. So, let's go down to line 36 uh, or so, and this is the beginning. He says, Brutus, I do observe you now of late. How about I'll, I'll be Cassius, you be very sure. sure. Uh, okay. Um, I have not from your eyes that gentleness and show of love as I was wont to have. You bear too stubborn and too strange a hand over your friend that loves you. Now, now uh, b- before going too far, notice three ways that uh, Cassius is trying to get into his mind. So first he says, I do observe you. Ah, right. So in other words, I, I pay attention to you. I heed you. Right? Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing he's going to do. Uh, second is, all, uh, as I want to have. So in other words, uh, show your love as I want to have. He wants his goodwill. So not only do I pay attention to you, but hey, you know, Brutus, I really want to have your goodwill. And then third of all, he says, um, you bear too stubborn and too strange a hand over your friend that loves you. So in other words, I see your problem. I see you have a problem. Mm-hmm. And it's implied, of course, this is another than Caesar. Okay, Brutus, let's hear your reply. Sure.
1: Cassius, be not deceived. If I have veiled my look, I turn the trouble of my countenance merely upon myself. Vexed I am of late with passions of some difference, conceptions only proper to myself, which give some soil perhaps to my behaviors. But let not therefore my good friends be grieved, among which number, Cassius, be you one. Nor construe any further my neglect than that poor Brutus, with himself at war, forgets the
0: shows of love to other men. All right, so uh, when we watch uh, or, or here listen to Brutus' reply, basically what he's saying is, well, first of all, I guess as far as students and, and anyone else who's really listening, how do you know if you're being manipulated? Mm. Right, so how do you know? Uh, well, uh, here, Brutus is keeping his cards very close, uh, tight to his heart, or ch- tight to his chest, uh, and basically he's saying, you know, yeah, the issue, it's, it's with me alone, right? Uh, so, so you know, don't worry about it. Don't construe it. Um, I'm just at war with Brutus himself. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so, and he's being vague. Mm-hmm. He, he's speaking in somewhat veiled references. But uh, Cassius, of course, is, uh, that's just the opening gambit. Let's see what happens mm-hmm. next. Okay, uh, he says, and Then, Brutus, I have much mistook your passion. By means, whereof, this breast of mine hath buried thoughts of great value, worthy cogitations Tell me, good Buddhist, can I see your face? I'm oh, sorry, can you see your face?
1: No, Cassius, for the eye sees not
0: itself, but by reflection, by some other things. That is just and is very much lamented, Buddhist, that you have so much mirrors as will turn your hidden worthiness into your eye, that you might see your shadow. All right, Well, we'll just pause there for a second. So what we're talking about is eye and being able to see himself. And it, this is the beginning of, I will call it, inception. So how does Inception work? Well, uh, there's, there's three steps to it. But so first again, Cassius he's basically asking Brutus here, can you see your face? Like, do you know what you'll look like, Brutus? Uh-huh. Uh, I can see what you're looking... do you are look like. When other people are around, do you, they, do you know what you even look like? Okay. Uh, so this is the uh, uh, first step, is getting an Inception, is getting an idea implanted uh-huh. into someone's mind. So, so that's, that's not good enough. The second step is then uh, going to have the patient uh, or the client uh, uh-huh. appropriate it as if it's their own. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, so as it, not a foreign one, but their own. All right. uh, and so the third step is then to uh, tell the patient to see how this is validated by others. So the patient needs this, then this idea is their own. Uh, it's implanted; it becomes their own, and then they want others to see how see how others validate that, uh, right? So, in other words, it's not my own invention, but it's ratified uh, by other uh, uh, others around us. Okay, and in, and in, in later in the text, uh, he'll have uh, forged letters. Uh, Cassius will forged letters thrown through uh, mm-hmm. Brutus's window, and he mm-hmm. takes these up as as confirmation of what others have said. Okay, uh, mm-hmm. let's go back then to our text. Oh, I've heard. Um, Uh, Sorry, I've heard uh, where many the best respect in Rome, uh, except immortal Caesar, speaking of Brutus, and groaning underneath this age's yoke, have wished that noble Brutus had his eyes.
1: Into what dangers would
0: you lead me, Cassius,
1: that you would have me seek into myself for that which is not in me?
0: Therefore, uh, good Brutus, be prepared to hear. Now, uh, notice uh, Brutus... Is, is no neophyte uh, mm. to, to politics, right? Uh, and so he has, just like an in Inception, he has some defense mechanisms mm. uh, right, that, that have been built up. So he, he's he's, um, he's still got some thick skin or some, some savvy. Uh, uh, certainly, he does. It basically says, uh, for that which is not in me, that was the last line that you said there. Mm-hmm. So in other words, he's identifying, what is this idea you have? It's foreign, right? So he has some antibodies he's going to release and, and attack this idea that uh, Cassius is implanting in him. In other words, uh, have me seek into to myself. So uh, self-pride, something like this. So the question will be, these defense mechanisms have emerged. He can detect, oh yes, he's playing to my pride. Will this be adequate, though? Will this be adequate? And since, and this is continuing with, with Cassius here, then, and since you know uh, you cannot see yourself so well as by reflection, ah, your glass will modestly discover to yourself, ah, that of yourself which you know, uh, which yet uh, know not, of. So here, this is Cassius's counter. Do, do you see what he's doing there? Uh, so he's trying to frame the dilemma. I will be your glass, in other words, uh, your mirror. Right. Uh, I will. I will let you see. And it's not just, uh, I will let you see, but it, it, it's obviously implied here. I will let you see what I want you to see. Okay, uh, with me now. Okay, yes. And be not jealous on me, gentle Brutus, Ah, where I common uh, a laughter or did use to steal with ordinary oaths my love to every new protester, if you know that I do fawn on men and hug them hard after scandal them, or if you know that I profess myself in banqueting to rout them, ought to all the rout, then hold me dangerous. There's a flourish and a shout in the background. Mm -hmm. What means this shouting? I do fear the
1: people choose Caesar for their king.
0: Aye, do you fear it? Then must I think you not have it so. I
1: would not, Cassius. Yet I love him well. But wherefore do you hold me here so long? What is it that you would impart to me, if it be aught toward the general good, Set honor in one eye and death in the other, and I will look on both indifferently.
0: Okay, okay, okay we got to pause there for that one. That's a great line. Set honor in one eye and death in the other. So Bruce is not entirely foolish by no stretch of the imagination. So he suspects rightly here that Cassius is, is trying to manipulate him somehow. And he, he, he declares, this is his... Uh, trump card this is his ace in, in the hole right i got honor in one eye in death in the other what, what, i mean what do you think that means basically
1: Ooh, it's an interesting well um yeah well he's conflicted right now so i mean in case it's not clear yet to the to the listener or the reader sure um cassius is trying to persuade brutus that caesar needs to be assassinated yes. In case he, spoiler warning caesar dies before the end of this play But Brutus is loyal to Caesar, uh, and he doesn't want to kill him. Cassius is trying to persuade him that, yeah, you really do. You you already want to kill him. (laughs) I'm just helping you realize that. So when he says, um, you know, "set honor in one eye and death in the other, and I will look on both indifferently," um, goodness, it's like, well, these are these two conflicting things that are going on in him, perhaps, right? The the pull towards assassination, maybe, and. The, the sense of honor
0: as well. Uh, yeah. Maybe it is or, or or even, a Roman or, to or even he's willing to die? Uh, he'd rather mm. he himself would rather die than than uh, neglect honor,
1: right? Of mm. uh, what's,
0: what's honorable for the patria mm. what's honorable for the Republic, or the, Which the foreshadows republic.
1: the ending for him too. Actually, now that you now
0: that I think of it, yes. <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so again, the question uh, comes back to well, what we were you saying with uh, the set honor in one eye, death in the other. Oh, okay, let's finish that. Well, let's, let's finish that because okay, continues. Sure, For okay. let
1: the gods so speed me as I love, the name of honor more than I fear death.
0: So in one way, what he's saying uh, to Cassius here is, I don't need your lens. right? I don't need to see mm. through your, your glass here. Uh, I already have these cardinal virtues. So again, the question is, how do you corrupt someone who's virtuous? Uh-huh. Right. Uh, so it, this is uh, again, uh, like uh, thinking of wormwood here, or the screw tape letters, something like this. Uh, and so they're because they, they have this allegiance already to uh, to virtue. And so what needs to happen? Redefine virtue, reinterpret it, uh, right? Uh-huh. Corrupt it. Uh, and so this is uh, this is one of the reasons why I say like a bureaucrat in the USSR uh-huh. uh, could live with himself. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm here, I'm helping to create the Holomador. Uh this is a, a famine in, in Ukraine. Uh, and the way they can justify this is, say, well, they're subhuman, right? uh-huh. rebels who support the revolution, kulaks who uh, secretly love capitalism, and I, so I can look myself in, in, in the mirror and I can uh-huh. see a just man. Uh-huh. Why? Well, because I'm virtuous. I'm doing what's virtuous. Uh-huh. Ah, right. Okay. So, uh, all right. Um, back to our text here. Uh, yes, there we have it. Uh, I know that virtue to be in you, Brutus, and, and this is Cassius, of course, uh, as well as I do know your, your outward favor. Well, honor is the subject of my story. Now, let's see what you can write That Honor is the subject of my story. What's a story? A narrative. Narratives are how we live our lives. Uh, we, can't, we can't operate in this world Without framing ourselves in a context, in an overarching narrative, uh, this is the we're in the um, as Tolkien would call it the primary creation, uh, right? We're in the great narrative of God, the artist who's entered into his own artwork. This is the story that we're in. But no one can live without a narrative, right? And so he's saying, "Well, subject honor is the subject of my story." So he's uh, going to offer a story now for for Brutus uh, uh, to to. Uh, See himself in light I cannot tell you when. Uh, sorry, what uh, you and other men think of it of this life, but for my single self, I have um, as lief uh, not to be as lived, uh, uh, not be as li- live to be in off such things as myself. I was born free as Caesar. So were you. We both had fed as well, and uh, we can both endure the winter's cold as well as he. For once upon a raw gusty day, the troubled Tiber chafing with uh, her shores, Caesar said to me. Darst thou, Cassius, now leap in with me into this angry flood, and swim to yonder point? Upon the word, accoutred as I was, plunged in, uh, and bade him follow, so indeed he did. The torrent roared, and we'd been buffeted with hasty sinews, uh, and stemming uh, with hearts of controversy. But ere we could arrive at the point uh, the point proposed, Caesar cried, Help me, Cassius, or I sink. I, as Aeneas, Our great ancestor did from the flames of Troy upon his shoulder the old Anchises bear, so uh, from the wave of Tiber uh, did I the tired Caesar. Uh, And this man is now become a god, as Cassius is a wretched creature and must bend his body of Caesar carelessly, but not on him. I had a fever in Spain, Uh, and when the fit uh, was on him, I did mark how he did shake. Tis true, this god did shake. His coward lips did from their color fly, and that same eye whose bend doth awe the world did lose his lustre. I did hear him groan. I, the tongue of his that bade the Romans mark him and write his speeches in their books. Alas, it cried, "Give me some drink, tidiness. Uh, says a sick girl. You gods, it doth amaze me. A man of such feeble temper would uh, so get a start of the majestic world and bear the palm alone." So, uh, what's fascinating in the story, this narrative that uh, Cassius is, is, is mm-hmm. unfolding for him? Well, who's the I? Uh, Aeneas. Aeneas, mm-hmm. who uh, is none other than the, the great ancestor of, of the Roman people. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, right. He's working, uh, Vir- yeah, like
1: Virgil, you know, tells the whole story in the Aeneid. Right. So, he's comparing himself to the founder of Rome. Right, the heroic founder of Rome who traveled through hell—you know, basically.
0: Yes, and and this narrative, what mm-hmm. does it shatter? Well, it shatters the myth of Caesar. He's mm-hmm. shaking, mm-hmm. Uh, right? Uh, he's he's quaking, and he needs help. He's he's. he's all of his, his coward lips, right? Mm-hmm. The color fleeing from him. Uh, okay, so, and uh, yes, this, the, okay, so, uh, all right, there's a shout, there's a flourish. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, here. Um, Another general shout. I
1: do believe these applauses are for some new honors that are heaped on Caesar.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Uh, why, men, he doth bestride the narrow world like a colossus, and we pity men walk under his huge legs and peep about to find ourselves dishonorable graves. Uh, men at that time, uh, at some time, are masters of their fates. The fault, dear Brutus, is not in our stars, but in ourselves, that we are underlings. Now, uh, okay, a few things here. The shout, the flourish is going on in the background. In some ways, that's like reality knocking at the door, breaking in, or sounding in the background. Uh, but in any case, um, what's fascinating here is that uh, the fault, dear Brutus, is not in our stars, but in ourselves, uh, that we are underlings. This is true in many ways. It's not the stars. It's not fate that that's brought this about, or you know, some horoscope fortunes like this. No, um, we can direct our lives here below, and so there's there's truth in what he's saying. Uh-huh. Which, um, in other words, it's like it, it's it's good bait. There has to be truth uh-huh. in, in the narrative which he's spinning, right? Uh-huh. Uh, and, and look next how he spins this before. Brutus' eyes. And here he's going to give the dialogue. Brutus and and Caesar, what should be in that Caesar? Why should that name be sounded more than yours? Write them together. Yours is as fair as a name. Sound them if doth become the mouth as well. Weigh them. It is as heavy. Conjure with them. Brutus will start his spirit as soon as Caesar. Now, surely it seems like uh, Cassius is overreaching here a little bit. He, he's, he's, he's trying to elevate Brutus to see his name on the same par as as Caesar's, if not above it. Oh. So to me, it seems like maybe he's he's playing his cards too quickly here. Oh, but, but not necessarily though, you know, because so. yeah. because he has just to undermine Caesar. He's
1: right. saying your name okay. has as much weight as this okay. as yeah. this guy who can't swim. Right, right, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> As this yeah. guy who is a ca- has coward, lips and yeah, you know yeah. Yeah. Uh, gets fevers and stuff like that. Like you're as good as he is, right, which right. if you think about it, is actually sort of an insult to Brutus. Right, yeah. <laughs> like uh, wrapped up in what's attempted, supposed to be either a compliment to Brutus or an insult to Caesar right right right, right. Um, but it's rhetorically well perhaps effective right, right? Fact, yeah.
0: well, okay so um and, and we know Caesar can swim very well in, in when he was in uh, uh Egypt he was actually in a street battle in urban warfare and being shot at and he had to jump through water and swim with armor on and all the rest and he's all the time but uh he made it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there, so, yeah, he could swear. Uh, but, but, <laughs> sure. but uh, okay, nonetheless...
1: Um, well, which raises the question of how truthful is Cassius being in that
0: anecdote. Right, right, yeah. Um, okay, now, in the names of all the gods at once, uh, we see that here, yeah, okay, upon what meant uh, doth this our Caesar feed, that he has grown so great age, thou art ashamed, uh, Rome! Uh, thou hast lost the breed of noble bloods, when... Uh, went there by an age since the great flood, but it was famed with more than one, one man. When could they say till now that talk of Rome that her wide walks encompass but one man? Now it is Rome indeed a room enough when there is in but, but one only man. Oh, you and I have heard our fathers say there was a Brutus once uh, that would have brooked the eternal devil to keep his state in Rome as easily as a king. And it is worth mentioning and you can
1: even see this in I believe it's First Maccabees oh, true, yeah. right the Romans were very proud of the fact that they didn't concentrate all of their greatness in one guy right yeah. that the whole all the people elect you know all the people quote unquote elected the senate and you know and nobody held on to their power forever and all this sort of thing you know this was a real I think other people noticed this about the Romans so here Cassius saying well, this is terrible because now Rome used to have this greatness that we knew was shared by everybody, and now it's all concentrated in this one guy. Right. This one man. Look how narrow the, the narrow world has become. Right? Yes. That it It's between the legs of, of uh, Julius Caesar, who yeah. I've just undermined for you. So then Brutus says, uh, That you do love me, I am nothing jealous. What you would work me to, I have some aim. How I have thought of this and of these times, I shall recount hereafter. For this present, I would not, so with love I might entreat you, be any further moved. What you have said I will consider, what you have to say I will with patience hear, and find a time both meet to hear and answer such high things. Till then, my noble friend, chew upon this. Brutus had rather be a villager than to repute himself a son of Rome under such Hard conditions as this time is like to
0: lay upon us. I'm glad that my weak words have struck, but this much show of fire from Brutus. So in other words, okay, so Brutus does give a, um, he goes out with a flourish. He's he's Mm -hmm. trying to, uh, once again, it's almost like in a wrestling match, but he's trying to reassert his noble virtue, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, But see what he's saying here? i i um i'll give thought to this i will recount it hereafter um, right i'll consider more so in other words he's completely willing to entertain this um the, the seeds that are being well, he's going to allow them to germinate essentially All right uh, now if we're thinking of the uh, spiritual combat here a little bit what might be some tactics uh to deploy as defense against a spiritual attack someone you know, trying to implant some ideas. Any thoughts?
1: Well, what it makes me think of, um, well, okay, well, first of all, obviously Cassius is using, uh, like, as you've said, he's, he's couching uh, lies and truth. Right? Yes. He's yes. couching the temptation to do something that uh, Brutus would say was immoral in things yes. that, uh, in the language of morality, in the language of honor, the language of selflessness, the language of patriotism. Yes. Now this is where a lot of great spiritual masters have said, "Don't try to argue with the devil." Right. right? He's he's more clever than you. Yeah. Uh, he's been doing this a long time. Yeah. So in sort of engaging him in the first place, I think maybe Brutus is making a mistake. Right. right? Okay. Yeah. Entertaining uh, him. Yes. Uh, well, by entertaining him right out of the gate, exactly. Uh, you know, there's that line from depending, uh, if it's Psalm 137, right? about By the rivers of Babylon. Uh, yes, that's right? right. ends with that startling passage that says, yes. you know, happy shall he be who takes the little ones of Babylon and dashes Danches them against the, the rock. Yes. Now, it's a pretty horrifying passage yeah. if you take it literally, but the, a lot of church fathers, I think Jerome is one of them.
0: Origen. Origen
1: as well, as well yeah. uh, say, well, the rock is Christ. Yes, All right, The rock that right. they're talking about here is Christ. Babylon is obviously spiritual Babylon, and yes. refer back to our previous episodes for a lot more on that. Yes, <laughs> um, yeah. And so the, the little ones of Babylon, uh, if Babylon represents the kind of spiritual forces that are allied against God. The babies of Babylon uh, are not the big sins, not the, not murder necessarily, not like adultery. They're the little sins. They're yes. the peccadilloes. Right? The, the, the little sins that seem harmless. Right. It's like, well, and they're cute. They're the cute sins. Yeah. You know, you, you kind of feel like, oh, I can let this one go. Right. Yeah. If you But if you do that, they say, guess what? Guess, you know what babies are prone to do? What do they do? They, they tend to grow up into <laughs> bigger men. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yes. Uh, and that's what will happen with uh, sin. You let yes. little sins in, uh, they grow up into bigger men. So as soon as you feel a temptation, even if it's for a little sin, even for a little white lie dash it against the rock that is Christ, just mercilessly. Like, don't give it any traction, don't let it woo you over, right? Um, Am I allowed to say this word? C.S. Lewis paraphrases this as, bash the little bastard's brains out. (laughs) In his reflections on the Psalms. So Uh, that would be my advice, is that right out of the gate, you should have, you know, Brutus should have just done exactly that. Thrown Cassius out the door, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Well, one thing I might say, and this uh, tie in with with Lewis here a little bit, if you recall, Edmund and Lucy both enter through, through the wardrobe, but there's some debate on well, who's she's lying, right? Is she telling the truth or not, uh, right? So, so the you know the some the siblings that are Susan and Peter, like, well, are, are taking the side of Edmund. How do you know what's true and what's not? Well, in some cases, it's helpful to have a someone you can share. Your intimate thoughts with a confessor, mm. all right, or a spiritual director, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a mom or a dad, mm-hmm. all right? Someone, mm-hmm. someone who you can really genuinely—hopefully a teacher, perhaps, with. who you yeah. trust, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. Now let's let's we're gonna skip ahead here a little bit. Uh, let's go. to... Uh, I got okay. warn you,
1: this does not have lines. My my edition. So okay, we're gonna go over to, to find scene one. One. where. So act, act two, scene one. Ah, yeah. So this is where. Uh, this is where Brutus is uh, reasoning with himself.
0: Uh, yeah, and in mm-hmm. fact, well, here I want to go to Portia particularly. Uh, so here I'll be Portia. Uh, sorry, this is line and. Yeah, which is not, they're not listed in mine. Oh, port, Portia
1: is the okay. wife of, um, Brutus. of Brutus. Yes, yeah. that's right. Uh, so do you
0: see where Portia enters? I see where she enters. Okay, yes, uh, so Brutus, my lord.
1: Portia, what mean you? Wherefore rise you now? It is not for your health thus to commit your weak condition to the raw, cold morning.
0: Yeah. Now, just for context, uh, Brutus now has really given way to the uh, conspiracy. Mm -hmm. He's on board, more or less. Uh, So his corruption now has... Well, he says it it must be by his death. Yes. And then
1: he goes on and gives a whole bunch of reasons to try to convince himself (laughs) that that, that's true, but...
0: Yeah. And um, it's like swallowing poison, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, and, And so... Portia can tell this. This there's something ill at ease with him, oh. uh, and and I'm gonna skip down here a little bit. Um, you, okay, let's let's just skip that next speech by Portia. Maybe we'll go to your next line there. I am uh, after her, I, I am not well in health, and that is all. Okay, so what kind of answer is that? Uh, I mean, here he could confide mm. to his dear wife, mm-hmm. uh, but he's, oh well. I, yes. I, you know, is it some, some digestion yes. or yeah, something? Yeah, right, right. Uh, mm-hmm. So here, I think this is um, an inability to be honest, which is a sign of corruption, mm-hmm. right? A sign of, of sin. Uh, its tentacles uh, wrapping themselves around his mind, uh, and so turmoil as at work. But he's trying to mm-hmm. paper over it, as opposed to exposing it, like mm-hmm. honestly, just telling her what's on his heart. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's let's go to uh, Porsche's next line. Is Brutus sick? And, uh, oh, sorry, uh, wait, wait, uh, Brutus is wise, and... Oh, sorry, sorry, Brutus is wise, uh, were, uh, not in health, uh, he would embrace, uh, the means uh, to come by it. Why so I do. Good Portia, go to bed. Yeah, so he, he doesn't want to even, uh, like, mm. give up room to some uh, sober second thought, uh, kind of thing, mm-hmm. right? Um, okay, uh, sorry, oh, there we are. Is Brutus sick, and is it physical to walk embraced uh, and suck up the humors of the dark morning. What is Bruce sick, and and he um, and will he steal out of this his wholesome bed to dare the vile contagion of the night and tempt the roomy and purged air uh, to add it is unto his sickness? So in other words, yeah, uh, this vile contagion of the night is he going to address it? Uh, are not no my Brutus uh, you have uh, some sick offense within your mind which by the right and virtue of my place I ought to know of and now she kneels okay mm-hmm. so this this is beautiful beautiful scene of mm-hmm. uh, this attempt like Portia his soulmate soulmate here his, his spouse his dearly be- uh, betrothed who's can, she, tell, she knows she knows, more than just his physical illness uh-huh. she detects an illness of the soul uh-huh. and guesses correctly. That yeah there's a sick offense that's going on in your mind, mm-hmm. and this is I mean pleading now mm-hmm. at a, a, a knee okay upon my knees, I charm you by what my by my once commended beauty, by all your vows of love and that great vow which you did incorporate and make us one that you unfold to me yourself, your half why, you are heavy, and what men tonight have resort to you for here have been some six or seven who did hide their faces. Even from darkness, because yeah, so, the conspirators ah, have shown up yes, that night. Yes, that's right. So, so, and she's noticed this,
1: and she's yes. noticed that even though it's dark, they're still hiding their faces. So she knows what's going on. Yes. Um, just as a, a, a footnote to this, sure. uh, in terms of you know Shakespeare quote, uh, coining so many phrases, uh, notice here that that phrase you, you refer to your spouse as your better half. Okay, that's what she refers to herself as here. You unfold to me yourself, your half. Right. right. Uh, so Shakespeare comes to that, and I will just say, and this continues onwards in this scene which we'll we'll go on and but this would not have been a given in roman society at all right for a man and a woman to have that uh, a husband and wife to have that kind of actual friendship right for her to not just be kind of uh
0: contractual
1: yeah like a piece of furniture basically in this house you know with a a certain function this is very i am one of those people who thinks shakespeare was probably a recusant catholic um but certainly this this scene actually depicts uh what the sacrament of marriage should be very well i mean even she describes it as a by that great vow which did incorporate and make us one, that, uh, incorporate. Right. That doesn't mean that we uh, started a business together, it right? <laughs> it means we are one body, now. a corpus. Yeah, we are same, uh, a corpus now. A, a,
0: well, in corpus, like
1: incorporate, right? Incorporate, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah one body, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so he says, "Kneel, not gentle, Portia." Right.
0: And so this is um, he. He can't. He can't brook this, right? Yes. He, he This this, this prying. Well. It's not even the, price. I want to think the inbreaking of light, mm-hmm. right? It's, he prefers the men of the darkness, the shadows who've come and gone. He wants to consort with them, and this light, which is, well, I guess breaking into mm-hmm. this darkness, he can't. He's ill at ease. By it's, it's,
1: yeah. There may even be a pun here on her name in some ways, right? Portia, like it's just the door or a window, right, right through oh, which okay, light breaks. Right? Obviously, it's right. a, a historical figure, Portia, but, yes, like, yes. but, but uh, Shakespeare may be playing with her name in that way, possibly. So. Yes,
0: well, and it continues, I should not need, if you were gentle Brutus, within the bond of marriage, tell me. So, so um, it, now, isn't that uh, something like, I know your nature, mm-hmm. right? So, if you were not, if you were gentle Brutus, right? Okay, so, so in other words, touching his soul, his very essence of who he is, be authentic. Uh, to who you are. Uh, right, right. Okay. So uh, this is um, this is how it unfolds. I, I don't know if there's any line you want to look at. I, I want to skip ahead to some other scenes now. No, no, no other, other than off.
1: I just, um, she's, she says, uh, if I'm just here to do what the typical Roman wife does, uh, keep with you at meals and comfort your bed and talk to you sometimes, uh, if it be no more Portia is Brutus's harlot, not his wife. Uh, to which she right. replies, you are my true and honorable wife, as dear to me as are the ruddy drops that visit my sad heart. I just want to note, I think this is just one of the best uh, depictions of a marriage in all yeah. of Shakespeare, I would yeah. say. It's a, uh, an inverse, in some ways, of the Macbeth marriage. Uh, yeah, <laughs> right? I, yes,
0: absolutely. And so yes, these these tears which are dropping now are so dear to his heart, but he's closed it off. Mm-hmm. right? He's not letting her in. Mm-hmm. He appreciates her candor. He, she, he appreciates... Uh, this this uh, gesture, this grace, but he's refusing the grace, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, here I think it might be um, helpful to look at, again, rhetoric and, and words and the a corruption of the, uh, of, of the masses here or, or the person um, in another scene altogether. So this is Act 3, and this is Antony, and well, this is Brutus again in Antony. So let's go to Act 3, uh, this is Scene 2. And this is where Brutus has to uh, – uh, yes, here we have it. Okay, so this is scene two where the um, – Well, Caesar the, has the, been killed at this point. Caesar has been killed. And so what Brutus has to do now, you see him justifying it to himself, uh, he's, he's he's had to – he wouldn't explain to his wife, right? Yes. So he, he – and, and why not? Well, why do you think he wouldn't?
1: Well, he's lying in in that scene to himself already. Like I yeah. said, at the beginning, he has a soliloquy where he starts off by saying, Caesar must die. And then he goes on and gives himself a bunch of arguments why Caesar must die, which kind of shows that he's made up his mind already. He's trying to rationalize himself into it. But he perhaps he knows that if he had to explain it out loud to someone other than himself, he'd realize how facetious and... Or, or, uh, Fatuous is the word, how fatuous it all is. <laughs> right, yes. So he'd rather not have to explain it because that would, uh, again, in, in the withering daylight of reason,
0: it wouldn't survive. <laughs> right well, well, now he must do so. So this is the uh, yes. line mm-hmm. uh, 14 or so, and this is his uh, great speech here uh, from the pulpit uh, mm-hmm. to the people. And here, I'll just read a few lines here. Uh, how would you say this? Mm-hmm. Okay, R- Romans, countrymen, and lovers, hear me for my cause, and be silent that you may hear. Believe me for my honor, and have respect to my honor that you may believe. And, and, and he continues on here, of his, his reasons, uh, line 21. If I that friend demanded why Brutus rose against Caesar, this is my answer. Not that I loved Caesar less, but I loved Rome more. Ah, uh, yes. So this is, he's, he's mm-hmm. justifying it. And, and go down to line 26. And Caesar loved me. I weep for him. Okay. Now, how is this the case? How could this possibly be? Uh, you could see he's conflicted. And what's notable here is it's not um, iambic appendometer, right? Mm. Uh, so so he's speaking like a, a, someone who's fractured, someone mm. whose thoughts are not organized. Usually it's someone of a lower class, less educated, who, yeah. who would speak like this. But here you can see that um, in this contrast is to Anthony here who's now going to uh, who, who's spared in the um, assaults, but uh, he, he now gets a, his uh, a chance to uh, talk. All right. So again, this is um, Brutus is, uh, how would you say this absolving himself, yes. saying, "I love Caesar." Mm-hmm. Right, and and and, and uh, more. And okay, so let's see what Anthony can do now. Yes, he gets a- Mark Anthony. Now this is a fa-
1: this is a famous line, eh? So
0: uh, which which one? Uh, well, his friends. opening line. Oh,
1: his opening. Friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. I come to bury Caesar, not to praise him. Yes. <laughs> the evil that men do lives after them. Now, do we want to go through the whole speech, or was there something you wanted uh, to? Well, let's, delightful though it is. Uh,
0: uh, okay. Uh, conscious of time. Is there sure, anything sure. you wanted to zone um, in okay, on? Okay, so what Anthony on. is going to do now is he's going to take charge. He's going to take. He's going to. Um, utilize his words, uh, and and he's going to do some of the exact same, very similar moves to Cassius Uh in presenting a narrative, Uh in implanting ideas in in, in the minds of the crowd, uh, of those who are there. Uh, There he goes. Uh, But he has to be very reticent in what he says, at first at least, uh, Uh because he can't let out of the bag that he's up against Brutus and Uh the conspirators. Uh, right, right, right. So look what he says, it go down along ninety five. Uh, 95, but Brutus, for Brutus, is an honorable man, right? And and uh, he re- repeats this again and again. Uh, Brutus, uh, he was, he, yet Brutus says he was ambitious, and Brutus is an honorable man. Okay, so uh, there he goes, and uh, he mentions again, yet yeah, Brutus is ambitious and an honorable man. Okay, so this is, uh, this is him creating that distance, right? That distance between, uh, well, at least giving some space for him to, to go on. Uh, all right, uh, let's see, what else can we say here? Uh, yes, uh, but yesterday, okay, they're go to line 130. Uh, are you there? Uh, but yesterday, the word of Caesar might.
1: Ah, uh, like I said, this very unhelpfully is oh, not right. labeled, so you can you can just read aloud, and I'll 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 confirm. Uh, okay, but yesterday this is Anthony it. here. Um,
0: uh, yesterday, the word of Caesar might have stood against the world. Now he lies there, and none so poor as to do him reverence. Oh, masters, if I were disposed to stir your hearts and minds to mutiny and rage, I should do Brutus wrong and Cassius wrong. Oh, who you all know are honorable men, so that's mentioned again. I I would not. I will not do them wrong. Now, Anthony really does want to do them wrong, <laughs> and that's his whole point, but uh, he says, I'd rather choose to wrong the dead, to wrong myself than you, uh, that I'm wrong such honorable men. Okay, so uh, then, yo, oh, here there's a parchment with the seal of Caesar, I found it in a closet, uh, and so here he tells him, it's his will, so his last will and testament, and basically, uh, what's fascinating here is uh, this reverse psychology he plays with the crowd, he's like, ah, I'm not going to read it now. Uh-huh. Uh, but it has to do with um, his legacy, you know, uh, his rich legacy uh, that he's going to bequeath to. Uh, all right, uh, now, so and then the, the crowd is like, "Oh, read it, read it!" And he's like, "No, no, uh, have patience, friends. I must not read it." So he's he's ensnaring the audience. Yes, uh-huh. uh, he's getting them in, uh, and and basically what ends up happening is uh, this finely orchestrated manipulation of 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 the crowds. Uh, Here where Anthony, uh, again, he's he's got them hooked on what's this riches that Caesar's going to leave to us, uh, or perhaps to us. Uh, Okay, so then he descends, he goes down, uh, this is line uh, 175, uh, and he he gets them to stand around. Let's make a a ring around the corpse of Caesar, right? Uh, And I'll show you the will, right? Uh, Him that made the will. Okay, so he asked permission, of course. That uh, to come down and they, they grant it uh, okay and then he says uh, and th- and then he says if you have tears prepare to shed them now so again this is like an inception he's he's planting the idea in them and then instructing them to to take uh, course with them right uh, and, and he and he tells them to so he's instructing them to start crying and he he gives them uh, this story about well what happens here uh, Brutus stabbing him that's line one eighty eight. Uh, the blood, how it flowed out of him, uh, the, the, and so here it is. For Brutus, as you know, was Caesar's angel. Judge, oh, you gods, how dearly Caesar loved him, right? So, so mm-hmm. how is it that this angel that loved him, because Brutus even admitted earlier that he loved Caesar, could kill him, right? Mm-hmm. And in gratitude more strong than traitor's arms quite vanished him. Ah, right. Uh, so this is this is the um, the blood even at the base of Pompey's statue, right? Which, while the world, when great Caesar fell, right, uh-huh. and so this is it, uh, and those, so this is bloody treason now, uh, as has flourished over us. Uh, okay, so now, and then he says, now he's instructing them. Oh, now you weep. So so mm-hmm. so now it's 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 he's he's implanted. Now he's telling them, giving them imperative, Like now you need to weep, uh-huh. right? Yes, yeah, there. Uh, oh, what's going on? Uh, okay, so uh, and here, you just imagine you're uh, one of the crowd now. Right, one of the playoffs here. Um, you're standing around the body, of Caesar. You can see the wound marks, the blood that's there. Now your your tears are there. You could see Caesar through the end has left us his legacy. He wanted our best. Certainly, it seems like that. Uh, what's the reaction going to be?
1: Right. Oh, well, there. Uh, <laughs> uh, a lot of a lot of um, people outbursts is what we see here. Right. Oh noble Caesar, woeful day, traitors, villains, almost most bloody sight, right? Uh, again it's a sort of like a Brutus' speech. It's a an incohate mass of emotion in some ways of indignation and protest.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and what's what's fascinating here is amidst the protest, he's uh, Anthony's going to say the opposite of what he wants, knowing that the crowd will uh-huh. force his hand to to so so Again, he's, he's planted these ideas and now he wants to elicit them out of them, but wants the audience to have appropriated them fully. Mm,
1: right. yeah, to make it, so them feel like they're the ones who came up with it the They're the ones in charge. Yes. Mm-hmm. So,
0: yes. so, if this is line uh, 223 or 4 about, good friends, sweet friends, let me not stir you up. Wow. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, really? Right, right, okay, yeah, yeah. really? Okay. To such a sudden flood of mutiny. Well, there he, now he's suggesting what to do. Yes, yes. Mutiny. Yeah, right. by saying not to do it, he's given them the idea to do it, yes. Yes, mm-hmm. and he goes back to getting them being honorable. They are wise and honorable, and will not doubt the reasons answer you. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I come not, Francis, to steal your hearts. I am no orator as Brutuses. Well, that, that yes, is... That's uh, a fairly yeah. <laughs> yes, that's clearly fictional. Yes. So, uh, yes, and uh, I'm a plain, blunt man. Well, hardly, right? Hardly. Mm-hmm. Uh, for neither wit nor words nor worth. Well, right. Uh, okay. Okay. Uh, so, so here, and he goes, Show your sweet Caesar's wounds, poor, poor, dumb mouths, and bid them speak for me. But were I, Brutus and Brutus Anthony, were therein, an Anthony, would ruffle up your spirits and put a tongue in every wound of Caesar that which would move the stones of Rome to rise and mutiny. So he won't even say it. He's like, mm-hmm. if I were Brutus, I might say this. Yes, But yes, I'm just Anthony. But if I were, mm-hmm. I would say, rise mm-hmm. to mutiny. And, mm-hmm. and so this is it. Will mutiny, all right, and, and burn the house of Brutus, and, and the and, and so it's it's unleashed. Uh, okay, um, okay. I've only one last comment here to make. Uh, I do you have uh, anything else to say on the scene? On the scene, no, no. Okay. Well, well, it's it's as it unfolds. You, you have to really appreciate. Uh, I mean, they're they're exiting with Caesar's body. They're they're now ready to go in this this mob, and it it is going to be a brutal mob, which which um, unfurls havoc. And, well, this is exactly Anthony's last lines. Mm-hmm. Now let it work. Mischief, thou art afoot. Mm-hmm. Right? Take thou what course thou wilt. Mm-hmm. So it's, so. this is it. This is the inception. Mm-hmm. It's, it's unleashed his plan. Mm-hmm. So here, I guess, uh, to, to tie things together then in terms of uh, realism and, and, and virtue, we see this reworking of, of virtue uh in, in in these scenes uh where these ideas are implanted within others who then appropriate these plans and run with them uh-huh. to horrific with horrific results uh-huh. right uh-huh. so uh, it's um the the, the idea is given that a patient believes it's their own it's it's their uh, it's uh, germane to, to themselves, or it, it, it's germane within themselves. And now uh, they appropriate it, allow it to flourish, and then it's validated by others around them. So that, uh, yeah, oh yeah, this is my idea, let's run with it. Mm-hmm. Unleashing great mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Well, it's interesting how that's that inception is used here both for the, uh, the murder of Caesar and then also for the uh, exciting of the crowd who are angry at Caesar's murder. Right, right. <laughs> um, yes. But then the crowd itself gets murderous, right? They're killing innocent people. They're killing a poet who had nothing to do with anything. Yeah. So, um, I think that, uh, yeah, Shakespeare's very alert to all of the different ways that, um, rhetoric can be used sinfully. Yes. Now, yeah. what my final comment on this would sure. be, um, in response to that, your question before about how to ward it off, it's not just that we need to not listen to the wrong voices. It's also that we need to listen to the right voices, right. which are pretty plain. Yeah. And in this play, again, if you want to put a Catholic read on it, you could say what that means is listen to God, right? right. Yeah. So we have the soothsayer, and he doesn't give some cryptic inception-y thing. He just says, hey, Caesar, look out. Tomorrow's da- dangerous for you. Yes, yeah. And he Caesar blows him off. Then his wife has a dream about a, a statue weeping blood of himself, right? People going up and, like, bathing themselves in it. Yeah. And at first Caesar... It's like, okay, Baron, well, he is skeptical, but he's like, okay, for your sake, dear, I'll stay home today. I won't go out. But then one of the conspirators comes and says, oh, no, 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 you're misunderstanding that. Well, the blood represents your life. And it's like life is going to stream forth from you, and everyone's going to bathe in your life, and you're going to bless everybody in Rome. So you're just reading the the dream wrong. Now, that's really twisting. The dream is pretty straightforward. Caesar, here's a statue of you. And the first scene is people crowning statues of Caesar, so they represent him. It's covered with blood. Yeah. You will be covered in blood tomorrow.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So again, it, like the soothsayer, it speaks for itself. But uh, you know, ye shall not surely die. Right. <laughs> right? Yes, just yes. like the the, the devil it says to it. Eve. Yeah. Right. It's well, you know, these, these like the serpent winding. There's ser- serpent winding logical tricks to try to. Well, no, no, it doesn't really mean this. God didn't yeah. really say this. And if you know, for again, this is pre-Christian, pretty close to Christ, but pre-Christian story. But if Caesar had listened to the gods yes. um, were straightforward enough with him. And, it, and then he says at one point, well, the gods are cowards. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. um, da- danger should be scared of me. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm Caesar, yes. right? Yeah. Um, if he just listened to that, that wouldn't have happened, right? It, it, it's the it's the uh, rhetor- rhetorical tricks of the devil, right? Yeah. Some, sometimes truth is pretty plain, right? Like, yeah. the, the devil is the serpent, um, but when God speaks, he speaks through an ass. Right, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty straightforward donkey. So yeah. uh, I think that would be my closing remark on this: is not only don't listen to clever rhetoric, um, like Paul says, you know, I didn't come to speak, you know, with with wise, clever words to impress you, but I, I proclaim nothing but the cross of Christ. Right. Also, listen to God. Right. Listen to the right voices, uh, right. and not not to clever reasonings, but to the Word of God as best you can. You know, I think that might be Shakespeare's message for us for today. Right. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay, would you like to uh, close in prayer? Well, speaking,
1: all right, fair enough. Then. Uh, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, Lord, thank you for this discussion. Uh, we pray that it uh, blesses people uh, and helps them be more open to you and to listen to you. Uh, and we pray, Lord, that as we study and as we learn, uh, it not only edifies us, uh, but also always sanctifies us. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Amen. St. Isidore, pray
0: for us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.